The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, July 1st, 2022. Coming up this hour. The stock sell-off continues after the worst first half in more than 50 years. The Fed is in focus as a top Republican says the central bank needs more transparency. Bitcoin claws back losses as the digital currency seeks to rebound from its worst month ever. Police in Newark are investigating a shooting that left nine people wounded, plus New York City debuts a new DNA gun unit. Catch criminal. I'm Mikey Barr. More. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Kevin Durant wants out. The latest on NBA free agency and the Yankees fell in Houston. That's all coming up in sports. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures trimming their declines this morning. We're coming up to 601 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures are now little changed. So are NASDAQ and Dow futures. The DAX in Germany is up six-tenths of a percent. And the 10-year Treasury up 9.30 seconds. Yield 2.97%. Yield on the two-year, 2.90%. Nathan? Well, all this, Karen, comes after the S&P 500 had its worst first half of the year since 19. 19- 70 with inflation and fears of recession taking hold. Brent Schutte, chief investment officer at Northwestern Mutual, has a positive outlook for the second half. I think you're already starting to see signs of inflation pulling back. The market is already showing you that they believe it's going to pull back. I think that backdrop will lead to a stronger second half for stocks because we won't have to worry about the Fed continuing to hike us so far into a recession. Um, we certainly could have a recession, but it would be very, very mild. And I think the market's already discounted that. Uh, Brent Schutte with Northwestern Mutual thinks the biggest risk to markets right now is rising energy prices and the war in Ukraine. Well, Nathan, while U.S. futures are little changed to lower right now, it's more of a mixed picture across the pond in Europe. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts joins us live from London with the latest. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. Plenty of sunshine in London this morning as July gets underway, but a damp start to the month for equities, with Europe stocks 600 up two-tenths of 1% on lower-than-average volumes. But damp, certainly an improvement on the powerful storm that was the first six months of the year. It was the worst first half for the stocks 600 since 2008, the European benchmark shedding 17% of its value between January and June. Live in London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. We had some dark clouds overnight in Asia. Let's get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. 
Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index started the new trading month quarter and half where it finished off in the red. The gauge fell for a third session, led lower by Japan, and tech stocks hit hardest on growth concerns. Taiwan's Taiex on track to enter a bear market, down 20% from its January peak. Stocks in mainland China meandered between gains and losses, and Hong Kong was closed for a holiday. The yen climbed while commodity-linked currencies were on the back foot, and India's rupee dropped to a record low. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thank you. Well, oil experienced its first monthly decline since November. Lower consumer spending in the U.S. and fears of a recession pushed prices down. But checking prices now, NYMEX crude oil is jumping up about 1.8%. It's at $107.60 a barrel, and Brent also higher at $111.07. And Bitcoin's coming off its biggest ever monthly decline, Karen. And traders are getting whipsawed again this morning. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with more. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Bitcoin rallied as much as 11% in Asia earlier today, and it quickly gave up most of those gains as global equities took a dive. Bitcoin's wild swings underscore the uncertainty looming over cryptos as investors struggle to assess how far central banks will go to tame inflation. And adding to that confusion, major crypto players have been thrown into disarray by the market sell-off. That's raising the prospect of further further contagion. Right now, Bitcoin is trading around 19000 Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thank you. We turn to Washington now, where the top Republican on the Senate Banking Committee said the economy faces a significant risk of recession. Pat Toomey points to the Federal Reserve, saying the central bank has taken a position where they're not accountable to anyone. We have the situation where the Fed uh, is basically stonewalling Congress. The, the regional banks and to some, some extent the main Fed are taking the position that what we do is none of your business. We're an independent agency. You can't really look very closely on what we do. That's outrageous, right? The Fed exists as a creature of Congress. And Senator Pat Toomey says the Fed must be more transparent and is subject to greater congressional oversight. He spoke with David Weston on Bloomberg's Balance of Power. Catch the program weekdays at noon on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Staying in Washington, Karen, fallout from this week's January 6th committee hearing remains front and center. Vice Chair Liz Cheney says the Secret Service agents involved in that reported incident with former President Donald Trump will now testify. And Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. Cheney says she wants them under oath. The committee has spoken to both uh, Mr. Ornato and Mr. Engel. We uh, welcome additional testimony. And says the committee will also detail witness intimidation by the White House. The way that I would put it is that it gives us a real insight into how people around the former president are operating. And that they can influence the testimony of witnesses before the committee. She says it will draw a clear picture. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thank you. Turning to Hong Kong now, where Chinese President Xi Jinping is presiding over celebrations marking 25 years since the U.K. returned to Hong Kong or returned Hong Kong to China. Former police official John Lee has been sworn in as the city's chief executive. The ceremony comes as Hong Kong sees China tighten its grip on the city. All right, let's turn to the war in Ukraine now, Karen. Russian missile strikes hit an apartment building in a recreation center near Odessa earlier today, killing 18 people. This comes after Moscow withdrew its forces from the strategic point of Snake Island. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is welcoming the departure. Moscow says it was moved to ease grain shipments. Kiev says Russia was forced out by shelling. 
And in corporate news this morning, Nathan Micron Technology out with a weak forecast as consumers cut back on spending for computers and phones. Shares of the largest U.S. chipmaker down about 3% in early trading. And futures, well, they've been fluctuating just a bit, haven't they? S&P futures now down 7 points. Dow futures down 52. And NASDAQ futures down 26. The DAX in Germany is up 4 tenths of a percent. And the 10-year Treasury up 11 30 seconds. Yield 2.97%. And the yield on the 2-year, 2.90%. And straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. All right, Karen, thank you. It is now 6.07 on Wall Street. We are at uh, 73 degrees in Central Park. Got a disabled vehicle on the northbound Garden State Parkway at exit 144. That'll slow you down. We'll get more in traffic shortly. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says she will convene a special session of the legislature today to begin considering legislation enshrining abortion access in the state's constitution. Hochul says the state will take action to protect its people in response to Supreme Court rulings on abortion rights and gun safety. Meanwhile, New York lawmakers began a special legislative session yesterday with the intent of limiting the proliferation of firearms in public after the high court gutted the state's century-old handgun licensing law. Police in New Jersey say nine people, including a teenager, were wounded last evening in gunfire outside a neighborhood grocery shop in Newark. Acting Newark Public Safety Director Raul Malave says police are searching for a vehicle believed to have been involved in the shooting. We do have a vehicle that uh, is of interest at this point. It's a white Honda Pilot uh, stolen out of Jersey City, and we're following that lead. Public Safety Director Malave says all of the victims are expected to survive. New York Mayor Eric Adams says the city has launched what he calls the country's first ever forensic DNA gun crime unit. Adams says the new unit with the city medical examiner's office in Manhattan will be made up of 24 full-time criminologists who will process evidence. State-of-the-art unit will accelerate evidence testing from 60 days to 30 days. It's going to cut it in half so that we can prosecute case faster and get dangerous people off our streets. Medical experts say they think COVID could come roaring back in the fall. Mayor Adams also says New York City announced a new test-to-treat mobile unit. It's a joint federal and city program to improve access to the COVID antiviral drug Paxlovid. This new public health service will help all New Yorkers uh, get access to life-saving treatments. Mayor Adams says the city hopes to open nearly three dozen mobile sites by the end of the month. The main union for Atlantic City casino workers reached agreements on new contracts with four casinos avoiding a strike on the 4th of July weekend. The union didn't provide details of the settlement, but one president called it the best contract we've ever had. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. And we're coming up to 610 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with Scott Seidenberg. Thanks, Nathan. The bombshell that rocked the NBA world yesterday. Kevin Durant has requested a trade away from the Nets 
The surprise announcement comes just a day after Kyrie Irving announced he was opting in to the final year of his deal. Durant has four years remaining on his contract. Meanwhile, the Knicks have come to an agreement with free agent point guard Jalen Brunson on a four-year, $104 million deal. Elsewhere, reigning two-time MVP Nikola Jokic has agreed to a max extension with the Nuggets. It's the largest deal in NBA history. Also getting max extensions, Devin Booker with the Suns, John Morant with the Grizzlies, and Carl Anthony Towns with the Timberwolves. Baseball yesterday, the Yankees fell to the Astros 2-1. They'll begin a set in Cleveland tonight. The Mets will host the Rangers. Tennis at Wimbledon, Rafael Nadal, Iga Sviatek advance. Americans Coco Golf and Jessica Pegula move on. Six-seed Carolina Pliskova was upset. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? All right, Scott, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are adding to their declines. We had seen a little bit of relief for... A few minutes there, but right now S&P futures are down nine points. That is a drop of a quarter percent. Dow futures down 84. NASDAQ futures leading the declines now down 36 points. That is a drop of three-tenths of one percent. Seeing some of the gains in Europe pull back as well. The DAX in Germany is now up by two-tenths percent, while the CAC in Paris is higher by three-tenths. Ten-year treasuries moving higher, up 11.30 seconds, pushing the yield now down to 2.97 percent. Yield on the two-year right at 2.89%. We'll get more on this market heading into the second half. Priya Misra, Global Head of Rates at TD Securities, joins us next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, mix of sun and clouds, maybe a late-day shower or storm today with highs in the low 90s. We'll be in the upper 80s tomorrow, low 80s Sunday with storm chances. Sunshine for the 4th of July right now, 73 degrees. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Another bout of risk aversion rippling across global markets. That's sending U.S. stock index futures lower and it's lifting bonds. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures, they have trimmed their declines, of course, but they are still down about four points right now after fluctuating just a bit. Dow futures down 41 and NASDAQ futures down 17. The DAX in Germany is up four-tenths of a percent. The 10-year Treasury up 12.30 seconds, yield 2.96 percent, yield on the two-year 2.96 NYMEX crude oil is up 1.7% of $1.83 at $107.56 a barrel. COMEX gold is down 8 tenths percent or $15 at $17.92.40 an ounce. The euro 1.0465 against the dollar. British pound 1.2073. The yen at 135.51. And look at it, Bitcoin this morning up 3.8% at $19,400. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Ukrainian authorities say there was a Russian missile attack today on residential buildings in a coastal town near the port city of Odessa. At least 18 people were killed, including two children. The top Republican on the House January 6th committee, Congresswoman Liz Cheney, says the panel may ask the Justice Department to investigate anyone accused of pressuring witnesses. WNBA star Brittany Griner is set to go on trial today in a Moscow area court. 
Greiner was arrested on cannabis possession charges at a Russian airport. In baseball, the Yankees lost along with the A's. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 619 on Wall Street Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And we're joined now by Priya Misra, Managing Director and Global Head of Rate Strategy at T these securities as we make our way into this second half of the trading year. Priya, good morning. It's really good to speak with you, particularly on a morning where we're seeing some big moves in the bond market with uh, yields getting pushed lower. How much more volatility uh, do you expect in the fixed income space as we get into the second half? Good morning, Nathan. Uh, thanks for having me on. You know, I think volatility is here to stay because we've got uncertainty around the economic outlook, both growth and, and really that growth uncertainty has been building in the, in the last few weeks. We have a lot of inflation uncertainty. We also have uncertainty around the Fed reaction function. You know, how does the Fed respond to a high inflation, low growth environment? So I think in the uncertain environment, volatility stays high. I would also argue that liquidity is not great. Um, you know, I, I, I think you have a an issue with dealer intermediation being low. Uh, you have an issue with uh, with the high frequency funds stepping away. So I think we're in for some wild moves. I think this is going to continue. We really have to watch watch data and, and we have to watch how the Fed responds to high inflation. I think they're telling us that they're going to uh, look through some of the weakness and growth, which is why I think the market is nervous. They're going to continue to respond to inflation. They have this unconditional commitment to inflation. So, you know, we think the front end is a little bit overdone in terms of interest rates. I think they can actually rise. They can undo some of the decline in the last couple of weeks because inflation is still very much a problem. And I think the Fed is unconditionally, as they said, focused on that. Yeah, and we got even more inflation data this week, particularly the uh, core PCE in the U.S. and uh, Eurozone inflation data showing uh, record highs for price pressures there. Does that make a case further for front-loading interest rate hikes uh, on both sides of the pond? I think so. I mean, the ECB has a long way to go. They haven't even started the hiking cycle. So, you know, we think uh, the the ECB will have a lot more front-loading to do. The Fed has done some of it, but I, I would argue in the U.S., the growth momentum is actually much better than in Europe. So we do expect the, the Fed as well to, uh, you know, hike 75 in July. I think they've sort of said either 50 or 75. We're in the 75 camp. And then actually continue hiking. They want to go above neutral. We'll just be at neutral after this. 75 hike in, in July. So we do think they're going to keep going. You know, we're looking at three and a half or four percent by the end of the year or early next year. That's sort of our call because they really want to put that inflation genie back in the bottle. And that's going to require them to take interest rates significantly above neutral to start to slow things down. Oh, do you think that's going to uh, help achieve a soft landing by the end of this year if rates do go that high? Because uh, much as you say that uh, the, the growth outlook looks better in the U.S., there is a lot of fear in this market that recession could be on the way sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, the, if you think of the consumer, the labor market is strong. I think that's really what's holding it up, which is going to make all the payroll numbers extremely important. So, the, you know, there is a strong labor market. There's decent consumer spending. But I think of the consumer that has high inflation 
now high interest rates, you know, the wealth effect from uh, asset class prices falling. I think that's going to increase the risk of a recession. We're just not in the this year camp. I mean, I think recession in the second half of next year looks fairly likely or, you know, I'm thinking growth around zero is not a recession or 1%. It's going to not feel great. And when you're running that low close to zero, anything can sort of take us negative. So that's how we see growth certainly slowing down, whether it's a soft landing or a hard landing. I'm characterizing this as the hardest soft landing, meaning, you know, Mm. growth is going to slow down and the Fed will not have the ability to respond. I think we have to get used to that. We've been used to the Fed being able to respond to any growth shock. But now with if inflation is still 4% or 5%, it's going to be very hard for them to start to cut rates. I think that the market will struggle with much of next year. Only about 30 seconds left here, but I want to go back to your point about a lack of liquidity in this market. What's the effect of the rollback of the balance sheet by the Fed uh, in terms of uh, where uh, investments go from here? I'm glad you brought that up. That's adding to volatility because it's more supply. It's more supply of treasuries and mortgages as the Fed is not buying. And we need to find that marginal buyer. And that's why I think the market moves around as much auctions will be, we'll be watching treasury auctions because that's when supply comes in. So I think QT, quantitative tightening, actually adds to the less liquid uh, environment that we're in. Thanks, Priya. Great to get your thoughts this morning. Priya Misra, Managing Director, Global Head of Rate Strategy at TD Securities. Uh, looking at futures now, a little bit of fluctuation with uh, S&P futures now. Little change down just about one point now. Dow futures down 21 points. That's also little change. NASDAQ futures are uh, lower by 10 points now. Uh, European stocks actually strengthening a bit here with the DAX in Germany and the CAC in Paris both up a half percent. Ten-year treasuries up 13, 30 seconds, yield 2.96%, and the yield on the two-year right now, 289 30-year yield, 3.15%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak is brought to you by Hofstra University's Frank G. Zarb School of Business. Zarb Executive MBA is built for working professionals and can be completed in as few as 11 months. Visit hofstra.edu slash grad. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. IBKR investment advisors switch to Interactive Brokers for lowest cost global trading and turnkey custody solutions. No ticket charges and no conflicts of your interest at IBKR.com slash RIA. Up first, another bout of risk aversion is rippling across markets this morning, sending U.S. futures and Treasury yields lower. The S&P 500 had its worst first half since 19. 19- as inflation and fears of a recession take hold. Brent Schutte, Chief Investment Officer at Northwestern Mutual, talks about the biggest risks for investors. I think the big uh, risk still is um, certainly what's happening in Russia and Ukraine and energy prices and, and how long those stay where they're at. And, and are we, you know, typically, are we going to be in more of an energy shock for some period of time? That certainly has had a staying power on inflation so far. 
Um, but I think you're starting to see everything else kind of depreciate around it, which I think is a good news for inflation. But certainly that is still one of the bigger risks that's out there. Brent Schutte with Northwestern Mutual says he still sees a better second half. Now, oil is coming off its first monthly decline since November, Karen. Lower consumer spending in the U.S. and fears of recession push prices down. Checking it now, prices are moving higher with NYMEX crude up 1.7%, $107.55 a barrel. Brent's at 110.96. Well, Nathan, fresh off its biggest ever monthly decline, Bitcoin is whipsawing traders with wild swings today. And Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with more. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Bitcoin rallied as much as 11% in Asia earlier today. It quickly gave up most of those gains as global equities took a dive. Bitcoin's wild swings underscore the uncertainty looming over cryptos as investors struggle to assess how far central banks will go to tame inflation. And adding to that confusion, major crypto players have been thrown into disarray by the market sell-off. That's raising the prospect of further contagion. Right now, Bitcoin is trading around 19000 Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Renita, thanks. Let's turn to Washington now. Fallout from this week's January 6th committee hearing remains front and center. Vice Chair Liz Cheney says the Secret Service agents involved in that reported incident with former President Trump are now going to testify before Congress. And overseas, Chinese President Xi Jinping will preside over celebrations today, marking 25 years since the U.K. returned Hong Kong to China. The incoming chief executive, John Lee, a former top police official, will be sworn in. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Again, futures are lower this morning. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 633 on Wall Street, 73 degrees in Central Park. We got a fuel leak on the Cuomo Tappan Zee Bridge. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. New York Governor Kathy Ockel said she will convene a special session of the legislature today to begin considering legislation enshrining abortion access in the state's constitution. According to a statement overnight from Hochul, the state will take action on protecting its people in response to Supreme Court rulings on abortion rights and gun safety. It comes as New York lawmakers began a special legislative session yesterday with the intent of limiting firearms in public. Authorities in Newark, New Jersey, say nine people were shot in a suspected drive-by shooting. Newark's acting public safety director, Raul Malave. Five of the shooting victims were able to uh, get themselves to an area hospital on their own. Out of those five, one of them was a juvenile, 17 years old. All of those victims are in stable condition. Public Safety Director Malave says all those shot are expected to survive. New York Mayor Eric Adams calls it the country's first-ever forensic DNA gun crime unit as the city remains on edge over a number of shootings. Adams spoke at a news conference outside the medical examiner's office in Manhattan. The $2.5 million unit will hire, train 24 forensic scientists dedicated to testing and analyzing of evidence from gun crimes throughout the five boroughs. Mayor Adams says the unit will accelerate evidence testing from 60 days to 30 days. New York Governor Kathy Hochul signed a bill extending mayoral control over the New York City school system. The renewal essentially gives Mayor Adams unilateral say over the schools. The head of the TSA expects a busy 4th of July holiday weekend. Administrator David Pekuski says expect Sunday to be the busiest travel day. 
There are busy periods of time at an airport, just like there are busy periods of time on highways. Um, and so just anticipate that uh, on the East Coast, if you're uh, you, if you have one of the first flights out, um, uh, you know, it's going to be busier then than it will be at 11 o'clock. And it just kind of rolls across the country uh, in that manner. The TSA's David Pekoski also told ABC his agency is staffed and airport security lines should be moving. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. And now we're coming up to 6.36 on Wall Street. Time again for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, Scott Seidenberg. Good morning, Nathan. As NBA free agency begins, the Nets received the news yesterday that Kevin Durant requesting a trade. The announcement coming just a day after Kyrie Irving announced that he was opting in to the final year of his deal. Durant does have four years remaining on his contract. Meanwhile, the Knicks have come to an agreement with free agent point guard Jalen Brunson on a four-year, $104 million deal. Elsewhere, reigning two-time MVP Nikola Jokic has agreed to a max extension with the Nuggets. It's the largest deal in NBA history. Also getting max extensions, Devin Booker with the Suns, John Morant with the Grizzlies, and Carl Anthony Towns with the Timberwolves. Baseball yesterday, the Yankees fell to the Astros 2-1. Here was Aaron Boone. You know, they've done a good job of, for the most part, holding us down. And, um, you know, that's going to happen sometimes against... Uh, against good teams. The Yankees begin a set in Cleveland tonight. The Mets will host the Rangers. Tennis at Wimbledon, Rafael Nadal, Iga Sviatek advance. Americans Coco Golf and Jessica Pagula move on. Six-seed Carolina Pliskova was upset. I'm Scott Seidenberg with Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, Scott, thank you. 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks. Some of the names moving in the pre-market as we kick off the second half here. Bloomberg uh, reporter... Laura Wright is with us this morning, keeping an eye on chip stocks, particularly, Laura, after the uh, earnings we got from uh, Micron Technologies. Exactly. Micron trading down almost 5% in the pre-market after a downbeat forecast for the current quarter that ranges from phones to computers. Remember, Micron is the largest U.S. maker of memory chips. The problems attributed to supply chain disruption, inflation. It's worth noting that demand for their cloud service business remains robust, but it's the consumer part of the business that has been hit hard and experienced recent weakness. We're seeing a read across in other chip names, NVIDIA down one. 3% and Qualcomm down 1% ahead of the bell. And speaking of uh, consumers, Laura, big name in uh, consumer space, Kohl's is diving this morning. Yeah, the department store down almost 14%. So a headline broken by CNBC says that the department store will be ending sales talks with Franchise Group. Franchise Group is the owner of the Vitamin Shop, or as you might say, Vitamin Thank Shop. You. <laughs> yes. Um, so the Franchise Group had been considering lowering its bid to $50 a share from 60 That The news that the deal has cooled off means the market reacting negatively as a result. And, uh, of course, we're uh, looking forward to a lot of us uh, potentially traveling this weekend. Uh, how are cruise stocks doing this morning? Well, on the whole, cruise stocks have had a tough ride of late. And Royal Caribbean is really the outperformer, up 1% this morning. It's an outperformer amongst a sector sell-off. Now, analysts over at City, they think that this sell-off 
has been oversold and that the group will eventually offer exceptional upside. So following that note, we're seeing um, a positive reaction ahead of the bell for Royal Caribbean and getting us all in the spirit of taking our holidays. Yeah, we'll see if it works out. Uh, how are uh, crypto stocks doing? We've been watching uh, some pretty big moves in uh, Bitcoin this morning. Is that affecting uh, names that are exposed to the digital coin space? Yeah, some large gyrations in Bitcoin this morning. Right now, the cryptocurrency up around 2.5%, just shy of $20,000. As a result, we're seeing Marathon Digital up 2.6% in, pre- in the pre-market and Coinbase up 1.7%. But really, there is still so much uncertainty about what central bank tightening means for cryptocurrencies. And a fun fact for you, in June, Bitcoin dropped 41%. And that is the steepest drop, um, according to Bloomberg data, going all the way back to 2010. So not out of the weeds yet. You have a very interesting definition of fun there. All right, Laura, thanks for this. Laura Wright uh, with us this morning, uh, taking a look at stocks on the move in the pre-market. Uh, looking ahead to the open as we uh, get ready to kick off the second half here. Futures are pointing to more losses at the moment after the worst drop for stocks since 1970. Another fun fact there. S&P futures down 12 points. Dow futures down 92. NASDAQ futures are lower by 51 points. And the 10-year Treasury is up 11.30 seconds for a yield of 2.97%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Could see a late-day shower or storm as we wrap up the week going up to the low 90s today. Storms possible this weekend, but by the 4th of July, we're looking for sunshine and a high near 85, 73 degrees currently. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and U.S. stock index futures are starting the morning out lower. We go to the first word breaking news desk for today's morning call, and here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. That's right. U.S. futures are in the red right now. Dow futures down 108 points. S&P's dropped 14, and NASDAQ futures are lower by 61. The U.S. 10-year yield at 2.97%. Gold is down 15. Oil is climbing. And Bitcoin is trading higher by 3.4%. Japan dropped 1.7% overnight while European markets are in the green this morning. And back in the U.S. on the economic front at 945 manufacturing PMI. And at 10 o'clock, construction spending and ISM manufacturing. After the tonight, Micron gave a downbeat forecast on weakening demand for computers and smartphones. In deal news, Kohl's is down 12% pre-market. On reports, sales talks have ended. In other news, copper sinks below 8,000 a ton for the first time since February of 2021. And wrapping things up, FedEx was cut to hold over at Berenberg. Live from the first and breaking news desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen. All right, Bill, thank you to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg-type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. At least 18 people are dead after Ukrainian authorities say there was a Russian missile attack on a residential building in a coastal town near the port city of Odessa. Two of the dead are children. President Biden is urging the U.S. Senate to change its filibuster rules to respond to the landmark Supreme Court abortion rights 
Senate's ruling. In response, Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell said the president's statement undermines justice and the rule of law. In baseball, the Yankees lost along with the A's. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Karen. Thank you. It is 649 on Wall Street. And we turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology. NJIT is dedicated to bolstering support for female and minority students pursuing careers in high-paying STEM industries. Learn more at NJIT.edu. And now here's us making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Google reached an agreement with U.S. developers that will let consumers subscribe to services outside the company's Play Store, marking the latest shift for an app store economy that it dominates alongside Apple. The Alphabet dis- div- uh, division also plans to provide $90 million to support developers who earn $2 million or less annually through the company's app store from 2016 to 2021. Elon Musk's SpaceX won permission from U.S. regulators to offer its Starlink broadband from space service to users in vehicles, vessels, and aircraft. The FCC announced a decision. SpaceX has launched about 2,500 first-generation satellites in its Starlink fleet and serves almost 500,000 subscribers worldwide. And fossils of early human ancestors in South Africa may be one million years older than previously thought, according to a new study by Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences Journal. Puts the country back in contention for the place where humankind may have originated. That's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Okay, Karen, thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, where it is six 50 on Wall Street. And now it's time to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories from our nation's capital include President Biden returning to drama at home after scoring big wins at the NATO summit in Madrid. House Democrats renewing a bid to expand federal abortion funding and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell threatening the China bill over President Biden's tax and climate plans. Let's get more on all these stories now. We're joined live by Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins. Emily, good morning. So the president did uh, get a lot of victories uh, at the Madrid summit, but was that overshadowed by what's going on here at home? Domestically, yes. I mean, Biden can feel good about what he did um, over in Europe with NATO. You got two more members added there. That was partly due to President Biden's maneuvering, uh, talking with other leaders who had some concerns. They've also continued to remain very unified in their front uh, against Russia in support of Ukraine. But that really didn't dent a lot of deadlines at home where most people will continue to be concerned about the ruling um, from the Supreme Court last week overturning Roe v. Wade, as well as other additional rulings that have come down in recent days, plus the January 6th testimony. Nathan, it's just been a really busy news week, and that has very yeah. much overshadowed anything that Biden was doing in Europe. Yeah, and um, uh, much as you talk about the unity among NATO members, it looks like we're starting to see a lot of disunity, uh, particularly among Democrats, over how to go forward on abortion rights. We heard the president yesterday say that he supports a carve-out to the filibuster to codify Roe v. Wade into law, but there's a a lot of uh, challenges on both sides of the uh, democratic spectrum, if we can term it that way, on how the president should go forward on abortion rights. 
Absolutely, Nathan. I mean, you're completely right here. I mean, you saw Biden call for the end of the filibuster to pass legislation on abortion rights, codifying Roe v. Wade. But that's not going to happen because Senator Joe Manchin and Senator Kirsten Senma are not in support of overturning the filibuster for anything. We saw that earlier this year, and, and their stances on that particular point have not changed. Meanwhile, you have more progressive members of the Democratic Party who are saying that they this is time to absolutely overhaul the courts, that they need to pack the courts. Uh, they're calling on major changes to be made. Uh, really, though, to a large extent, Democrats' hands are tied. I mean, we've seen actually them try to start finding ways in the must-pass government funding bills to include. Oh, it sounds like we uh, lost Emily Wilkins' connection there uh, as she's covering all the events happening in the nation's capital. I think she was uh, getting ready to mention an effort there by House Democrats on uh, Capitol Hill to add federal abortion funding to uh, Medicaid. But that's going to be difficult to pass because uh, if anything from the House goes over to the Senate, needs to get 60 votes. And as she was just mentioning there with uh, Senators uh, Manchin and Cinema opposed to uh, carve outs to the filibuster, it's going to be difficult to uh, Past just about anything. And it sounds like uh, we got Emily Wilkins back on the line there. Uh, just to uh, follow up on the point, Emily, just the fact that uh, when you have anything that uh, is outside a budget reconciliation bill, it's just about difficult to get anything passed in the Senate with a 60 vote majority, right, particularly on abortion rights. Absolutely. And that's, Democrats can't even really get abortion rights done via reconciliation, because remember, that needs to be very much related to the budget. And they've already kind of got the outline of what they can and can't do with reconciliation right now. So that avenue is essentially closed to them as well. And so, yes, Democrats kind of face this point where they're hoping to make some incremental wins, some tiny things. Uh, they, like, added a provision to a spending bill that basically says the Department of Justice can't prosecute women who cross state lines to get abortion, and they'll be considering legislation in July that will deal with uh, data privacy around reproductive apps, period tracking apps, and those are all things that are meant to sort of address uh, co- potential concerns in a post-row world. But in terms of major things that they can do, uh, I mean, unless you sort of get everyone on board with some of these more radical ideas about changing the court, uh, th- there's not a lot that Democrats can do with their current slim margins in Congress. And on top of all this, Emily, we're hearing a threat from Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell on holding up the China competitiveness bill. What's going on there? Yeah, so remember, this is that big, big bill that both Democrats and Republicans are working on right now. It's got more than $50 billion for semiconductors, manufacturing. And when Congress left town, they were feeling pretty good about it. Work was getting done. Progress was being made. You heard from a number of lawmakers who said, we really do think that we can pass this by the end of July, so by the end of this month. But now, because news has come out that Democrats are continuing to work it on a go-alone reconciliation plan that would include uh, some new taxes as well as some climate measures, Mitch McConnell came out yesterday in a tweet and basically said, hey, you can have one or you can have the other. If you're going to try to do uh, this reconciliation bill, this sort of uh, successor to Build Back Better, then Republicans are not going to continue to support the U.S.-China competition bill. And so that kind of puts Democrats in a tight spot. They were definitely hoping to be able to notch two legislative victories there. But as you mentioned, Nathan, I mean, they can go it alone on reconciliation. They cannot go it alone on the U.S.-China competitiveness bill. They will need Republicans for that. 
You only about a minute left here, Emily. But what's the reaction from the sector, the chip sector? I mean, we've heard from the the CEO of Intel saying that without this China bill, he's not going to be able to build new factories or expand the ones he's got. No, absolutely. I mean, I de- the sector is very much pushing for these bills. I talked to lawmakers um, the other week before they left town, and they were saying that they were getting pressure from the companies in their districts, basically saying, hey, if you guys don't move this bill, if you don't start producing more chips here in the U.S., we're going to start needing to look overseas for suppliers. We're not going to be able to go to the U.S. companies anymore. And mm-hmm. so there's certainly a lot of external pressure on lawmakers to act right now. It'll be interesting to see exactly how the this one plays out because it's a credible threat made by McConnell, uh, but certainly Democrats still control both chambers. We'll be interesting to see if they can make this work somehow. And certainly going overseas to get chips is something that uh, this bill is designed to do the exact opposite of something definitely to watch going forward here. We know you'll be doing that. Bloomberg Government's Emily Wilkins with us from the nation's capital. You can read more about all these stories on Bloomberg.com or on the Bloomberg Terminal. Listen to Bloomberg Radio in Washington. Bloomberg 99.1, 105.7 FM HD2. S&P futures adding to declines, now down 13 points. Dow futures down 104. Nasdaq futures are lower by 56 points. Bloomberg surveillance is next. For Karen Moscow, I'm Nathan Hager, and this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.